Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is taken from our epistle reading uh, from Philippians chapter 2, which will kick off our stewardship theme for October. I invite you to hear again these words. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. This is our text, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Friends, I confess to you, I read these words from the Apostle Paul to the church in Philippi, and I stand accused. We hear Paul's encouragement to the church, and our first reaction might be along the lines of something like, well, what a nice sentiment, or what helpful, hopeful words. And yet, the moment that we examine ourselves against this encouragement, it becomes discouraging. In fact, if we look critically at what Paul says here, it almost sounds like the apostle is being oxymoronic. Be lights in the world, but be humble. Hold fast to the word of life, but do so for the sake of others. Rejoice and be glad, but be ready to pour yourself out completely as you see me doing now. Old Adam hears Paul speak this passage, and he is ready to boast. He says, way ahead of you, Paul. After all, who's humbler than me? I bend over backwards, I give the shirt off my back, and I do it all with a smile on my face. I'm going to pour myself out until I'm bone dry. I'll give without ever giving a thought to myself. That'll show them. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little, friends, but not all that much. For we all love to imagine ourselves as the hero of our own story, don't we? Sure, we want to help, but oh, how we love to be recognized and praised for that help. However, this desire for recognition can deviate the focus of our service away from Christ and away from our neighbor and put that focus squarely where it does not belong, on we ourselves. But, you might ask, well, does that really matter? so long as we're still doing good works in the end. But I invite you to consider how such conceit and self-centeredness might lead us headlong into still greater sins. In the winter of 2007 to 2008, a series of mysterious fires began igniting around the area of Merrillville, Indiana. In a stretch of only four short months, Blazes started at a local caterer, a vacant construction site, an auto repair shop, two cars, one utility vehicle, and, I wish I were making this up, the not-quite-mega conglomerate of Grandma's Country Depot. But, of course, thanks to the efforts of Merrillville's fire department, no injuries were reported at any of these incidents. And one young volunteer, in particular, was especially quick to respond to each fire. James Edwards III, and no relation, I did check, seemed to be the right man at the right time. He was always the one who was ready to serve his community. He was the one who stepped up 
to put out fires both metaphorical and, in this case, physical. But it wasn't long, however, before detectives began noticing his unusually swift response time. They also picked up on a series of footprints at the various scenes that seemed to match Edward's shoe size. And suspicion, of course, turned into investigation. It wasn't long before this man was slapped with a conviction for serial arson. And at a interest, his, his motivation was brought to the forefront. In his own words, Edwards confessed that he started, or in this case, not-so-brave deeds. He wanted to play the hero. His need for acclaim and acknowledgement, it drove him to forsake his call as a firefighter to help and protect his community. Instead, it caused him to sin against his neighbor, destroying their possessions and property just to feed his ego. Friends, I wish I could say that this strange story was a unique case, but that, of course, would be a lie. We each see this same kind of selfish, attention-seeking behavior repeated on a smaller scale each and every day all around us and, of course, even in our own personal lives. Humility be damned, says the world. You've got to put your name out there. You've got to be self-promoting. The Pew Research Center, in publishing a study of the effects of social media on teenagers, recently reported an interesting phenomenon that has come as a byproduct of the digital age. You see, young people who who are growing up in 2023, they've begun to relate the feeling of being always on camera. And so, they feel like they're always having to perform performing for their family, their friends, and of course, their followers. This makes everyday activities, such as work, school, interaction with peers and fellow students, chores or errands, they're all part of this ongoing cycle of likes and dislikes, comments and follows. There's a modern phrase that is thrown about that sums up this me-centric culture for us. Perhaps you've heard it before. If it's not posted online, did it really happen? You might have heard this before, but I much prefer the classic rendition from William Shakespeare's As You Like It. He writes, all the world is a stage. Have you ever felt this way, dear friends? As though you're but a bit player, acting out your part for others to see? Doing your best, speaking your lines, showing up, getting on stage, going through the right motions, all for the acclaim and the applause that they get you. Well, if you've ever felt this way, you're not alone. I confess to you again that even pastors, your pastors, are not above such thinking. At least this pastor. I don't want to speak for my brother, Pastor Edwards. But behind every decision every study, every sermon, there is always that nagging temptation, that selfish impulse to make things me-centered, to compare myself, to see how I stack up against our brothers in the circuit, the district, and the synod. Boy, I think to myself, if only, if only I measured up, 
If only I carried myself with the gravity of Pastor Mitchell. If only I were as scholarly as Pastor Sway. If only I led with quiet authority like Pastor Edwards. I, 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 me, me, me. You see the problem. You also see that none of us are exempt. Rivalry and conceit, as the Apostle Paul writes, make us bitter and selfish. They prevent us from being the stewards that God has called us to be. I say stewards because that is precisely what our God, in giving us the name of Christ Jesus, has called us to be. He has made us his stewards through water and through word. We are Christ's to the world, his name to proclaim, and his gifts to share. Yet frequently, we are not Christ-centered in our stewardship, but rather me-centered. For all of our Lord's blessings of time and talent and treasure, we daily seek to employ them not to his glory, but to our own glory. Our time we guard viciously, filling it with games and toys and sports while giving precious little of it in service to our neighbor and even less to worship and Bible study. Our talents we use, as mentioned, for self-promotion. We show up to show off. We give our best in order to take all the credit. Our treasures we hoard and we squander. We withhold the tithe to have just that little bit extra tucked away for the latest gadget, for that extra round of golf, or maybe for that streaming service that, if we're being honest, we never really watch. Dear friends, I invite you, examine yourselves honestly this morning. Have you ever not been humble stewards with God's gifts? Have you ever used those gifts of God for selfish purposes? I'm willing to bet, like myself, that most of you would say, yes, I have indeed been selfish. And if this is the case, I urge you to take encouragement from St. Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, to stop being me-centered and to start being we-centered, being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. These things, dear friends, the Apostle exhorts us all in the name of Christ Jesus. For it is Christ Jesus who not only gives us the word, the command, the authority, but he also models perfectly for us how to do them. Think back for a moment to the gospel lessons that we have observed since the beginning of the Pentecost season. If you've been paying close attention, then you might have noticed one particular word popping up over and over again in each of the lessons as well as in your pastor's preaching. The word I'm referring to is compassion. In Jesus' earthly ministry, we see him constantly moved to act by compassion. Compassion for the poor, for the sick, the outcast, and of course the sinful. This compassion drove Jesus to respond to their various needs with grace, feeding them, healing them, welcoming and forgiving them. 
This same compassion also led Christ Jesus to Calvary's cross, where he poured himself out completely for us, offering up his very life in atoning sacrifice for our sin. Now, though we may not always consider the cross in this way, because it is, after all, that altar from which our God has given us all his gifts of grace, I want to invite you this morning to think about the cross of Christ as your model for Christ-like stewardship. Magnify the cross. Let your stewardship be one of humility and sacrifice. Offer up your time, your talents, and your treasures freely and willingly for the sake of your neighbor, confident that by the blood of Jesus poured out for you, your God has given and will continue to give all that is needful to support you in this life and to carry you to the life of the world to come. Jesus' stewardship has been the means which has given you access to all those gifts of God which do not wither or fade away. By his pouring out on the cross for you, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, you have been filled to the brim with forgiveness, life, and salvation. So glorified by Christ crucified, be now humble as he was humbled for you. Let that cup of salvation, overflowing with his ceaseless blessing, spill over into acts of compassion, charity, mercy, and love for your neighbor. Think nothing of your own fortune, your reputation, or your reward, for it is Christ himself that has been your reward, and I tell you, he is enough. He is sufficient. He is that very eternal treasure promised by the Father for all who believe and all who follow him, and nothing else in this world can compare. Let not the selfish impulses of sin seek to replace this priceless treasure. Discard the riches, the baubles, the acclaim that mammon offers. Forget the call-outs. For from the cross, Christ has called you out of sin and death and into newness of life in him. Being then stewards of his graces, be glad and rejoice. Rejoice with Paul and with Peter with James and John and with all those martyrs and saints before you who are poured out in humble service so that you and I and all the world might know Christ crucified and so be made rich beyond all measure. Rejoice that such heavenly treasure has been given to you, a poor, miserable sinner. Rejoice also in Christ's call to serve for the privilege to give freely even as your Lord and Savior gave himself freely in humility for you. In his most good and gracious name, amen. May the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in this same Christ Jesus unto life everlasting, amen.